One of the questions we just briefly mentioned uh, this morning is, uh, how does God guide us? And one of the ways God guides us is by his Holy Spirit. And um, he does so in many ways and in lots of ways day by day if we listen to him. I want to thank you, Julie, for listening to God. Those songs that we've been singing this morning just fit in so incredibly well. No coincidence here. I didn't tell Julie what I was saying, but God did. And together uh, we worship the Lord and the Spirit of God is at work. It's, um, it's amazing, isn't it, just what God does. And we're looking at this incredible psalm. It's uh, Psalm 23. We're looking at the third um, session of this psalm, the third part, if you will. And in the first part, we saw that the almighty creator God is our shepherd. He's able and he's willing to provide for all our needs, whatever our needs may be. Is there an empty void in your soul, dear friend, this morning? Is, do you have deep longings in your heart that frustrate you because they're not yet met? But the Lord is able to meet those needs. He's able to satisfy your soul. And I put it to you that it is only the Lord who's able to satisfy your soul. You may be looking elsewhere, or if you are seeking some other source for comfort, for blessing, turn that aside. Look to Jesus. He's the good shepherd of your soul. He's able to meet every need that we have to satisfy our deepest longings. In the second part of our series on Psalm 23 even, Last week, we saw our great shepherd making us to lie down in rich pastures beside quiet, gentle, flowing streams in order that we might receive rest and refreshment, in order that our souls might be restored, something that I put it to you we need quite often in our frantic and frenetic world and in our own personal Christian life. Uh, how often do we need to just take time aside to be still? in the presence of God and allow him to refresh us and restore us. This morning we're looking today at the second part of verse 3. In Psalm 23 it simply says, He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And here, as indeed with the whole of this psalm, if we're going to learn and properly apply what God wants us to, to receive this morning, then we need to understand that that it's all related to shepherds and to sheep. How the shepherd looks after the sheep and to a large extent how the sheep respond. So as we think about God guiding us, we consider first of all the shepherd guiding his sheep. And there are three things that are important to note here. Number one, sheep notoriously do the same thing again and again, time after time. They just do the same thing. We do that sometimes, and we don't seem to want to learn the lessons often, do we? And uh, that's how sheep are. They are creatures of habit. They will walk the same trails, the same pathways, even to the point of forming a rut. And they'll still walk there, even though it's more difficult in the rut than it is on the flat land. How many of us have appreciated that? It's more difficult in the rut than in the flat land and in the pasture. They will graze the same hills and they'll do so until they become like a desert. They'll pollute their own ground until it becomes full of disease and, uh, uh, and parasites and all kinds of horrible things. And so it has proven over the years of history that there have been many great sheep ranches that have been ruined because sheep owners have simply been ignorant of this behavior of sheep. 
Vast areas which once were great rich grassland have become ravaged wastelands. Sheep notoriously do the same thing again and again, happy to walk in a rut. Second thing to remind you about is sheep cannot get along everywhere or anywhere. More than any other livestock, sheep need careful handling. They need detailed direction. Uh, a good flock and a good shepherd's reputation is going to mean the need to have the sheep under meticulous control and guidance and planning. Because if sheep are not properly led, if they're not properly guided, they're just going to gnaw that same grass until the roots are damaged, and in the end, all you've got left is total barrenness. Sheep cannot survive everywhere, they can, anywhere. They can't survive really properly in barren land. The end result of barren land, of gnawing at the same grass, never changing it, is that you get ruined sheep owners and you get mingy sheep. Wonder what God's saying to us about that this morning. A good shepherd is all aware of this. And for the sake of the land and for the sheep and of himself, he's going to take action against these habits of sheep. And the best thing that he can do is to keep the sheep on the move. They must not be left on the same piece of land for too long, but rather move from one pasture onto another pasture. In short, there should be a, a plan to rotate grazing, a bit like crops, I suppose, in, in some people's books, the crop rotation and so on. It's a bit like that with sheep, from one pasture to another to another. And in summer, sheep can be moved on almost every day. And the shepherd knows his land, and he knows his pasture, and he knows his sheep. He knows where they will thrive and where it's going to be difficult for them to thrive. Need to remember that. Third thing about sheep, for our purposes this morning at least, is that when sheep are led into a new area of fresh green pasture, they are so excited. They really are. Even the old ewes will jump about and wave their legs around. I don't know if you wave a leg, but you know what I mean. Uh, they're excited. This is new pasture, fresh grass. How wonderful. Listen, sheep enjoy being led into new ground. We're the sheep of the good shepherd. He enjoys leading us into fresh pasture. But do we enjoy being led into fresh pasture. These are the actions that David has in mind when he speaks of being led in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And there's some pretty simple but amazing parallels here, aren't there? We can behave like sheep. The old prophet Isaiah reminded us in chapter 53 and verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The Lord wants to bring us back by guiding us into paths of righteousness. We often go our own way frequently. Sometimes we even do it deliberately. And whenever we do, always it will be to our own disadvantage. Sometimes it can be quite terrifying how we often we press the self-destruct button in our own lives through our disobedience, through our pride, through our selfishness. And many of us at times think we know best. I'm going to do it this way. 
Sometimes we talking to someone after the first service and God speaks and shows us uh, his will and his way, or at least his will and what we're supposed to do. And we think, I know what that means. And we shoot off in some direction. And um, God says, well, yeah, that is my will, but it's not that way. <laughs> I want to leave you in paths of righteousness. Like the sheep, we too can follow the same old trails, can't we? We can make deep ruts where we're incredibly comfortable. We don't want to get out of those ruts. We find it hard to get out of those ruts. We're clinging on to habits or ways of life that we have seen know ruin our lives. God is calling us this morning to get out the rut, <laughs> to release those habits, to stop those ways of life that are not good for our souls because he wants to guide us into paths of righteousness for his glory. We need to learn that the scripture tells us there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it leads to death. We just simply don't want to change at times, do we? But listen, Jesus comes and he tells us something so important. We sung of it already this morning. He says, I am the way. It's not your way. You might think you know best, but I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then Jesus comes as the good shepherd and he tells us in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I am come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another way of putting it is to have and enjoy abundant life. How many of us have settled for less than abundant life in our Christian walk with God this morning? How many of us have grown content with where we are in our walk with God and in our relationship with Jesus? And Jesus is coming and he's wanting to stir us up and the Spirit of God is wanting to stir us up, I believe, this morning and cause us to realize it's time you get out the rut. <laughs> I've come to give you abundant life. I've done all that's necessary in order that you may have abundant life. He laid down his life upon the cross for us, didn't he? And we're content to sit in a rut. What does that say about our appreciation for all that our dear Savior and the Good Shepherd has done for our souls? Jesus is our Good Shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. And we need to learn from the stubbornness and the uh, self-will of sheep so often, don't we? We need to get out of this rut. Else we can become mangy old sheep, skeletons on ruined land. I don't see any mangy old sheep here this morning. But what the Lord is reminding of is this, that our world today is full of people who behave like sheep without a shepherd, who are not following the good shepherd. We live in a world of broken homes, of broken hearts, of damaged families and relationships, derelict lives, mixed up personalities. All these things are so prevalent in, prevalent in our lives. And is it just possible that we personally know something of that even at this moment in time? But everywhere we look, we're reminded, aren't we, of people who have gone their own way. We live in a society that is sick and struggling to survive. And because it's without the leading and guiding of the good shepherd into paths of righteousness, they're seeking to survive on poor land. And it's not feeding them at all. Society's greed and selfishness leads, doesn't it, to ruin and to remorse. But friends, the good news this morning is this. Into this situation comes Jesus. 
the good shepherd. He's inviting us to deny ourselves and to follow him. How many of us as people who confess to know and love the Lord Jesus as we have done already in our worship this morning are actually denying ourselves and following him? We'll come back to that in a moment. We can so easily say that we're walking following Jesus, can't we? We can say that we want to live in those fresh green pastures and in those quiet waters of last week. But the truth is we're not prepared to take the steps that will bring us there. That change this morning by God's grace and in his mercy. So the question is, are we prepared to follow the master, to forsake all and to follow him? Jesus did remind us that if we're going to do that, then there is a cost involved. Walking the paths of righteousness will mean for our purposes this morning a change of attitudes. Living a life that is different, and this can be such a turn-off, can't it? Just a brief note before we move on and consider that in more detail. It is God who is leading. He is guiding us into these paths of righteousness. And we ask the question, how does God guide us? And I've put this down as a question for home groups this week, so it saves me from having to answer it all. You can do the work for me. But there are clues, there are ways in which I guess we've all proven to be so true. God guides us in many ways. He guides us through the differing circumstances and situations of our life. They prompt us to take a certain course of action. Had that thing not happened, we would not have taken that action, right? We've all been in that place. He guides us through the sound advice of people who know us and love us and in whom we've put our trust, our leaders, our pastors. He guides us so often, as we've already acknowledged, by his Holy Spirit in many different ways, prompting us, leading us into all truth. He leads us through impressing things upon our mind. How many times has that happened, I wonder? We overlook these things sometimes, don't we? We want the supernatural, but God often uh, reminds us uh, and guides us in the simple things, the everyday things. That's not to discount the supernatural. God is almighty. He is sovereign. He can do that. But uh, through our mind, through common sense, in our conscience, God will lead us and guide us. And maybe most of all, through his word, the scriptures, as we read it day by day and listen to it. So where and what is God guiding us into? Well, our verse tells us, into the paths of righteousness. And there's so much that we could say about paths of righteousness talking about godliness and holiness and all sorts of things. But for our purposes this morning, I just want us to focus on one thing. If we're going to allow God to guide us into the path of righteousness, we need to allow him to touch our attitudes and affect our attitudes, even to change our attitudes in a number of ways. If we're going to enter into that abundant life of living in the path of righteousness then attitudes need to change. Let me suggest the first one to you. Instead of loving me first, I will put God first and others next. I won't be first in my life anymore. I'm not talking here about a sentimental emotion of loving me first. Remember, there's one occasion when Jesus said uh, about looking after our neighbor, we've got to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. There's a healthy self-love, not even talking about that, but about who's first, who's number one in our life. 
Not me, but Christ, and then others, and last of all, me. And you know, to do something for the Lord might cost us something. I was thinking as Mal and Deb was reminding us about the Christmas meal. It's so great, isn't it? We love the idea, don't we, of feeding the lonely on Christmas Day. But if I'm going to get involved, if I'm going to be a driver, it's going to cost an hour, hour and a half out of my day with my family on Christmas Day in my home. I say it carefully, but that could be putting me first rather than others. Think on these things. The opposite of selfishness, being selfless, being prepared to sacrifice self. Do you know the interesting thing is this? When we delight in doing things for others, when we follow the Lord and we have a sense of what he's leading into and we're able to obey him, we go through that gate of one of the good shepherd's green pastures and it tastes good. It really does. Instead of loving me first, put Jesus first, others next. Another attitude Instead of being one of the crowd, be prepared to be set apart, to be singled out. Again, maybe we don't like this too much. Sheep love to be together. They love to be in a flock. You don't tend to see too many sheep out on their own. They want to belong. We don't want to be any different, really, as sheep, do we? At least not in any significant way. Maybe that's part of the reason why Jesus pointed out on one occasion that we should actually realize that there's not too many people that find his way acceptable. And we know only too well, I guess, many of us in all kinds of situations that to be marked out as a follower of Jesus invites criticism and sarcasm from a cynical society. We're in that place of work. We've made a defense of our Christian faith. Our colleagues know that we are believers And whenever we speak out, or sometimes when we speak out for our Lord and Savior, or or we act in a way to please him rather than the rest in the office, then there's a bit of ridicule. There's a bit of offense, a bit of opposition, if you will. To be marked out as a follower of Jesus invites that. But we must not forget that our master, our Lord, our Savior, was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. How much more his followers, if we're prepared to take up our cross and follow after him, we will know something of this. And don't let it bother us. How many of us have the attitude that says sometimes, well, if I do this for the Lord, if I say this for the Lord, oh, I wonder what so-and-so will say (laughs) or think. So we don't. Because we want to be part of the whole, not prepared to be set apart and singled. That's an attitude we need to adopt to walk in the paths of righteousness that the Lord is leading us into. Next attitude. Instead of insisting on my rights, be willing to let them go. That's not an easy one, is it? We live in a world and in a society that bangs on and on and on about rights and our personal rights and you have a right. And I don't know for sure, but it seems to me a little bit like some of the the, the problems in the Middle East and in many other places in the world are simply down to this simple matter of people not being prepared to let go of their rights, not being prepared to take up the responsibility, being willing to let go of our rights. But it's my right. Jesus says, hang on a minute. Is it really? 
Is it really? If I am willing to forego my rights, to pocket my pride, to take a back seat, to play second fiddle, if you will, then we will be on new ground. We will be enjoying the sweet pasture of a new path of righteousness. And if we adopt this attitude, it goes a long, long way to uh, getting rid of personal pride. And the interesting outcome of it is this. It becomes harder to hurt another person, if you think about that. And it becomes harder for another person to hurt me if I'm prepared to let go of my rights. And if we have little or no sense of self-importance, it's hard for us to get so upset as we do sometimes, or indeed to upset others. How many people uh, do we know that we have to be very careful when dealing with them because they get all prickly? <laughs> it's a bit like treading on eggs. How many people have to tread on eggs when they approach us, I wonder? Letting go of our rights helps in all of this. It produces a much more carefree life. It, it produces in us a contagious contentment the new paths of righteousness God will guide us into. Next one. The attitude of instead of being boss and top dog, being prepared to be at the bottom. I'm not thinking here about abandoning all ambition. Far from it. We need to be people who are ambitious. Ambitious for the Lord, most certainly. But when self-assertion gives way to simply wanting to please God and to bless others, so much of the fret and the strain and the pressure of everyday life just drains away. If only we could grasp how incredibly practical and how helpful it is to us to allow God to guide us, even in these matters of attitude, into these paths of righteousness, we'll enjoy such beautifully fresh green pasture. We want God to bless us and to use us. We want to please God by allowing us to bless others as well. And part of that is to not be content with our position. How many of us are? We go back to this rut thing again, don't we? I think maybe God's just prodding us about that this morning, some of us. Not being in the rut, content with where we are. Are you happy where you are with Jesus this morning? Don't misunderstand me, I hope you're not. Because we want to go on. We want to receive more of him and know more of him, do we not? Instead of being boss and top dog, I'm prepared to be at the bottom. I'm prepared to surrender. Next attitude. Instead of always finding fault and blaming others, I'm willing to accept the circumstances of my life in an attitude of gratitude. That's not easy, is it? How many of us find fault? How many of us blame others? We do it many times in the course of our days, don't we? I don't know how many times during the course of the week I'll blame my wife Pauline for something when it's not her fault at all. What did you do with my ruler? This was one that happened yesterday. I was doing some artwork and, you know, just enjoying it. And I needed a ruler to mark out a grid for something I was doing. I thought, what have you done with my ruler? I haven't touched your ruler was underneath my art book. <laughs> she hadn't. We're quick in, in, in everyday little things to just blame somebody else, to find fault with other people. It's not me, I'm in the right, as we've already seen. We want to be sometimes. Always finding fault, pinning the blame on somebody else. 
And do you know what? When we do this, something happens. We are quick to forget our blessings and slow to forget our misfortunes. When we're blaming others and that's our mindset and that's our attitude, we forget all that God has done for us, all the blessings that we're walking in and living in. Quick to forget our blessings, slow to forget our misfortunes. If we believe God is sovereign, and I'm sure we do, if we believe that what happens to us is in his hands, then surely we're going to look differently at everything that does happen to us, whether it's a joyful thing or a tragic thing. Some of us may be going through tough times right now. It's hard, it's difficult. We're not sure maybe even what God is saying to us in these circumstances, in these situations. And we want to blame somebody else for it, and we want to point the finger somewhere else, and we want to find fault. But brothers and sisters, can I say this to you? Our Heavenly Father knows who we are, where we are, what we're going through, and nothing but nothing that we can do or say will alter the fact that all God has for each one of us is our good shepherd, is our good. It's our well-being. And there are times when we scream at God, maybe, and he says, I know, I understand. So we need to believe and hang on to this fact, don't we, that God is sovereign. What happens in our lives is in his hands. And we will see that God does it all for our well-being. Just got two more to go. Next attitude is this. Instead of asserting my will, I will cooperate with the desires and will of God. It's not always easy, is it? None of these are easy in actual fact when we stop and unpack them, are they? And as we've already acknowledged, we, we want to come to God and we want to say, Lord, your will be done. We say the Lord's Prayer sometimes, don't we? As we pray that, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, Lord, in my life. And God speaks and God says something and we're prodded from the scriptures or whatever it is. We say, thank you, Lord, for leading me and ignore it. Come on, let's be honest. God knows our hearts this morning. We can hide stuff from each other and that's fine. But never from our God. It's been pointed out that 90% of religion lies in the will. We can be so stubborn. But when I and me are crossed out, then it is the cross himself, itself, that becomes effective in my life. Last of all, and this is where it, it all kind of is summed up, I guess. Instead of choosing my path, I will choose the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is a, a simple matter of obedience, isn't it? It's to do, it's to go, it's to say, it's to act, it's to be everything that the Lord wants me to be and says I should be. And you and I are so blessed today. I mean, you go back many centuries ago and people didn't have the information of the word of God that you and I are privileged to have today. We have knowledge, we have understanding. We're blessed to have those who bring God's word to us faithfully week by week by week and, and we will learn and we receive so very, very much. We have a sense, a knowledge of how we should be living our lives, right? Do say yes. Good. We do. It's there in the word of God. The question is, do we commit every day to following his guidance in paths of righteousness? To enter into those wonderfully lush green pastures that he wants to take us. 
leaping for joy like the sheep in the new green pasture when we get there as well. Do you know, there's nothing more exciting, is there, than learning something new about the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing more exciting about having the experience of, of being chosen by God to bless some other person, to have a sense of having done something that we know only too well is exactly what the Lord asked us to do. Oh, the joy of that moment. It's like living in green pastures, and that's exactly what it is. Again, can I ask us, dear friends, in the Spirit of God, write upon our hearts this question. Do I actually want to change very much this morning? Do I actually want to get out of the rut that I'm in? Or am I happy to stay there, even though it's far less nutritious to my soul? I don't know whether you've thought about the path of righteousness before we came to this verse this morning, and if you did, you maybe have thought, well, I wouldn't have expected anything much about attitudes. <laughs> and there's so much more that could be said of the path of righteousness. I just feel this is what the Lord wants us to focus on today. The attitudes that we have. He wants to change them. Those attitudes that don't bring honor and glory to our Lord and to our Master. He wants to change them and he wants to lead us into paths of righteousness. Having the right attitude is to enter into, as it were, and walk in a path of righteousness. That's why these attitudes are important. And remember that as much as this does bring joy and blessing, uh, as we enter into that more abundant life that Jesus has promised for us, we do it all for his name's sake. That's what our text tells us, isn't it? He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, there's joy, there's blessing when we walk in his paths. But it brings honor and it brings glory to our Savior. It says thank you to our good shepherd for laying down his life for us. It is so good to know that God is guiding us into these paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that those paths do include changes of attitude for his name's sake. So what are we going to do about that this morning? Just a moment, as the musicians come up, we're going to sing a song by way of response. It might be a new song to some of you. It's one we used to sing many, many, well, not too many years ago, a few. And it says all that we've been looking at in this verse this morning and in Psalm 23. But it's asking us as we sing it to make a commitment that is inviting Jesus, the shepherd of our soul, to take control of our soul and of our life. So it's not a song that is to be sung lightly. Like Judy, I love singing. <laughs> I could sing and sing and sing, but sometimes we enjoy the tune, we enjoy the song, and what we're singing can pass over us so quickly, can't it? Shepherd of my soul, I give you full control. Wow. That's how it starts. So if you begin to sing this and think about that, think about a response. And God knows our hearts if we, as we sing it. And the more heartily we sing it, the more he will know and the more we will know uh, as brothers and sisters that, yes, this is our desire. Lord, will you take control? Will you guide me into the path of righteousness that you have for your name's sake and for your glory? Let's sing together, shepherd of my soul, I give you full control.
Father, you know the response we have each made this morning. We really do want you, Lord, to take control. Even though it at times will not be easy, even though it may be, we're going to face up to things that we have put to one side for such a long, long time. Even though it may mean habits have to be put to one side, ways of life dismissed. Lord, whatever it is you're asking of us, whatever attitude you want us to change this morning, Lord, we want to give you control to do that. That we might walk in these paths of righteousness into which you are guiding us, which are so rich and lush and so beneficial to our souls, that bring honor and glory to your great name. So, Lord, help us in these things, we pray. Continue to speak by your spirit into our hearts and into our lives. Help us to make that response you're calling for. And we will be careful to give to you and you alone all the praise, all the glory, because you alone are worthy. Amen.